Thanks for checking out the Ascent Church podcast. Our mission is to reach, equip, and impact others exactly where they are as we rise to new life in Christ. We hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Thomas Lane. We're in a brand new series today called Prone to Wander. Somebody say prone to wander. We're all prone to wander. We all wander. We all drift. That's just what we do. It's part of, it's really is part of human nature. We started this last week. I don't know if it's going to become a thing or not. I don't know. But I want to remind you, if you do miss at any point, we do have an audio podcast working on a video one, you know, to be able to capture the sermons. That's very, very close. But um, someone reached out two weeks ago from Denver. So we gave them a shout out. This week, we had a family reach out, the Hunter family, their military. They're in Eagle River, Alaska, listening in. So Ascent Church, why don't you show them some love from Virginia Beach to Alaska? Come on. It's getting, it's getting to them. Right on. I told them we'd give them a shout out, but I think that's really cool. So thank you all for spreading the word and um, tagging your church, spreading the love of Jesus all over the country. That's really, really cool. I absolutely love that. But like I said, y'all, this is a series about wandering, about drifting, about losing our way. It's why we're stressed. It's why we have so much anxiety. It's why we feel meaningless sometimes because we're constantly drifting. I call it spiritual ADD. We get focused on something and then something shiny happens and we just kind of wander off. Maybe you have a friend like this. You make plans. You want to brunch together. Hashtag brunch so hard. All right. Or maybe you go out, dinner, drinks. I don't care what you're doing. You're playing games or you're chilling and you're hanging out, talking to them, and then they pull up their phone. And you're like, what? And they're on Instagram, Facebook, or they're texting someone else who's not even there. And you're like, I thought we had this like thing, right? I thought we were hanging out, but we can't focus. We got to multitask. We're spiritual multitaskers. We like to do many things at once. Some of you can't watch a show on Netflix. I'm in this camp too, because you, you can't watch a show if it's too deep. You need something shallow so you can do like four things at once. You know what I mean? You're like, I started this movie. I got eight minutes in, but I can't iron and be on Instagram and pay attention. The plot is just too complicated. I need the office. I need some parks and rec in my life. Some simple, some in the background, because some of y'all, you invite someone to watch a show and you get mad because they're goofing. You look and they're on Instagram. They're on Facebook. You're like, pay attention. But that's what we do. We're prone to wander. We have spiritual ADD, we look for other things to capture our attention, to fulfill us, to give us meaning and to soothe our anxiety. This is going to be a two-parter this week and next week. We're, we're talking about one of the most parable, uh, famous parables that Jesus ever taught. It's called the parable of the prodigal son. You maybe have heard of this. We're going two parts this week and next week. We're doing a son each week. It's sad it's called the parable of the prodigal son because it's really a story of two sons, two very different ways in which we relate or reject God. And we're going to talk about them each and every week. We're all in this boat. We're all prone to wander. They're both hugely important, and I can't wait to jump in. Why don't we pray, and then we'll kick things off. Let's bow our heads. Father God, I ask you to meet us here. God, we're talking about some topics that may be new to us. God, if this is new, I ask that people can keep an open mind um, and that they can learn something new. God, we ask you to draw us deep. Help us get to know you in a deeper way, in a more intimate way, so that we can better love you, glorify you, and serve this community. And Father God, if anyone here has heard this story since they were six, and they're rolling their eyes saying, I wanted something more deep and spiritual. God, I hope, I, I hope that you can open their eyes to something deeper, something more, something profound in this text that maybe they never noticed before. We love you, and we ask you to meet us here in this place. In your son's good, sweet name we pray. Amen. It's weird to do my entitled voice in the middle of a prayer. I don't know if I've done that before. Am I allowed to do that? I don't know. I just did. Maybe not. It's like I'm making fun of people in a prayer. It's very weird. 
I don't know if I'm, if I'm allowed to do that. So we're going to the text. It's Luke 15, 1 and 2. You can follow along behind me or with the version or any Bible app. Or if you'd like, you can just, um, you know, well, yep, you can bring a Bible, of course. Luke 15, 1 and 2. They were having a dinner party. They were hanging out. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. This is a group of people who you wouldn't expect to follow Jesus. This is maybe tax collectors. They work with the Romans, the bad guys. They were kind of seen as traitors and outsiders. They were sinners. We don't know what that means. We know that prostitutes used to follow Jesus, maybe some lepers, people kind of on the outskirts of the fringe of society. People who maybe if you walked into church today, you'd be like, you go to church? You're not saying it, but you're thinking, you're like, oh, okay. These people love Jesus. They adored him. They flocked to him. They absolutely adored him. And they hung on to every single word that came out of his mouth. Two, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. They said, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. That should be my entitled voice. This man eats with sinners and eats with them, okay? They're mad, they're looking down at him. So we have two groups. We have the people on the outside who love Jesus, the people who you wouldn't expect to be religious or following him, and the people who you'd expect to be on the inside. The people who had memorized the scriptures. They memorized all 613 commandments in the Old Testament. These people knew their stuff. They didn't like Jesus. He was stirring the pot. Because when you ate with someone in that culture, we don't think much of it today, but when you ate with someone, you were saying, we're cool. We were see- it was like saying, you're my people. We good, We're family, all right? So when Jesus is welcoming these people, it caused a huge controversy because Jesus challenged and changed the way that the world views sin, God, and even redemption. Jesus was flipping it all on its head because to us, in most things, and even with God, we would assume that obedience leads to acceptance. Because that's how most things are. Let's say at work, all right, on, if you obey the boss, if you do what you're told, if you meet deadlines, if you excel, then you get to what? You get accepted. You get to keep your job, maybe a raise, maybe a promotion. We're like, that's cool. Maybe you played a sport in high school. Maybe you play a sport right now, all right? Obedience leads to acceptance. You know, you play hard, you show up early, you work hard, you excel, then coach will make you, will keep you on the team. Coach will let you start. Obedience leads to acceptance. And we assume the same is true of God but I came to tell you the exact opposite is true. Jesus was teaching something radical. He was teaching that Jesus, that God actually accepts you exactly as you are. And out of a changed heart, out of a gospel, meaning the good news saturated heart, we learn to obey him. It's a completely different system. You maybe believe this. I hear it all the time and I just disagree with it. Um, but people say, oh, religions are, are the same. And you know, they have some values that are the same, but the reality is Jesus's take on things is actually completely different than everything else. It's not obey, 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 be good, pray hard enough, love the homeless enough, and then God will accept you. It's the exact opposite. He's accepting you just as you are, right in that chair. If you turn to him, if you give him your life, he accepts you. And obedience flows from that. Now, there's some issues with Jesus' perspective. And you maybe never thought of it like this, but Jesus essentially is saying this, if you keep reading his teaching, if you think that obedience leads to acceptance, you will constantly be anxious. You will constantly be stressed because you'll constantly be looking over your shoulder. Was I good enough? Did I try hard enough today? Did I love people hard enough? Did I really love on the homeless? Did I listen to K-Love enough today? Did I pray hard enough? Have I gone to church enough this month? You're constantly stressed out saying, did I please you, God? But if that's you, you're constantly in a state of fear. You're constantly in a state of fear. Fear and love are incompatible. They're absolutely incompatible. And if you're trying to prove your worth to God, you're actually just being selfish. Because let's say you say, I'm going to go serve the homeless so God will love me. Are you doing that for God's sake? No. 
Are you doing it for the homeless's sake? No. Are you doing it for the community? No, you're doing it for yourself. You're saying, I'm going to be good so God has to bless me so I can check the list. This creates a deep life of selfishness. And the gospel is the exact opposite. God accepts us exactly as we are, but he loves us too much to keep us that way. He loves us too much. Jesus continued. He tells a story. And he's funny because there's two different crowds in front of him. He puts them in the story. He's calling them out, but he's just going to tell a story about them. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, he said, Pops, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Here's what happens. There's this young man, this little brother. He goes to dad and he says, dad's got some cool stuff. He's got some stuff. Dad is not sick. He's not dead. He goes to dad and says, can't you die already? I got some living to do. All right, I got some chicks I want to impress. I want the Corvette. I want to go on the vacations. I want to live it up. You're not, I've been waiting for years. You haven't kicked the bucket yet. Can you hurry up and just die and give me the stuff? Now, in our culture, this is a huge insult. But in their culture, in a patriarchal society, this is huge. He would have been expected to be driven out of the house with verbal, maybe even physical blows, and be kicked out of the community. The request isn't the strange part. It's that the father acquiesces. Father says, okay. We don't even hear what he says. He just does it. He sells part of his land, and he gives the money to his son. This is completely crazy. But here's what I think Jesus is trying to show. One of the ways that we find meaning, worth, and value in our lives is saying to God, I wish you were dead. I wish you weren't real. I wish that the universe existed so I could just do what I wanted to do. There's a British philosopher, I forget his name, but he admitted in college, he was on the fence. He's like, I don't know if I believe in God or don't. And he, he finally admits, he said, I chose to not believe because it was easier. He said, I wanted a party. I wanted to have sex whenever I wanted with whoever I wanted. And the only way I could do that is if God isn't real. He admitted it. He's like, it's just better for me. It's better for me. That's what a lot of us do. Another thing we do, which I think the little brother did, is he, he didn't love his father for his father. He loved him for the stuff he got. I want to challenge you, if you are a Christian, if you go to church all the time, if you're a Christ follower, do you love God for God or for the stuff that you get, for the sense of peace, for heaven, for, for wholeness, for community, for, for the, the, the ability to know that he's always with you? Do you love God for God or for the stuff you receive? The younger brother said what a lot of us said. He said, give me what you can. He took it. And he said, you know what? I'm going to find my own way. Blaze my own trail. Wander around. Figure stuff out by myself. 13. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had. He set off for a distant country. So he went to Vegas, right? And he squandered his wealth and wild living. Popping bottles. Buying the bar. Celebrating. Vacations. Luxury. Women. Having a blast. He's like, this is the good life. This is what I wanted. Take that, dad. But let's see what happens. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. So right at the point, he's like, how much money do I got? And you check, you've been there, you check the end of the month, and you're like, I ain't going to make it, all right? I need that direct deposit to hit now, son. Um, He's at that point, he's like, I'm running out of cash. Right at that moment, the economy turns. There's a famine, everything breaks down. So right at his point of greatest need, the economy turns down. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. It says he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. 
So follow me. He runs about, he's about to run out of money. Then the economy goes to heck. He's broke. He finds like the worst job possible, okay? And he's so broke, he's so hungry that even the pods he's feeding the pigs start to look good. He wanted to eat pods. I heard of people wanting to eat Tide pods. Y'all know about this? Where's the Tide pods? Look at this. He saw those. He said, num, 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 num. He said, those are starting to look. I don't know what you got to get into your soul to want to eat detergent. Um, I'm going to pray for you. Right on the A card if you're eating detergent. We're going to pray. We'll do a special service. We'll pray. We'll pray for you. I'm kidding. It wasn't Tide pods. It was more like pea pods, like kale, okay? Like something like that. Now, some of y'all are like, I'd rather eat the Tide Pods. All right? You're like, I don't know which one I choose. The point is, it wasn't some that delicious. Okay? He was desperate, saying, that kale looks so good. Them pods look so good. He was hungry. He was hungry. The point is that we're prodigal. We are prodigal. He was prodigal. We are prodigal. I thought prodigal meant wayward, wandering, distant. The prodigal son, the wanderer, the one who went off. Prodigal doesn't mean wayward. Prodigal means he gave it all away. Did you know that? Prodigal means this. Prodigal means recklessly extravagant. Prodigal means giving profusely. Prodigal means lavishly abundant, meaning he gave every single thing he has. It appears he's naked almost. It appears he's barefoot. He's hungry. He has nothing left. And if you were to look back on your life, you might say, you know what? I spent a lot too. I wasted a lot too. You know what? Maybe I wasted some opportunity. Or you know what? Maybe I wasted some time wrestling with regrets in my life. You might say, you know what? I spent a lot too. I wasted a lot too. I wasted some time going down the wrong path. You might say, I'm prodigal too. I spent a lot too. I wasted some love that was given to me. I didn't really reciprocate it. You might say, you know what? I never realized this, but I'm prodigal too. I wasted some things too. God gave me some chances and I straight up blew it. I straight up blew it. Let's see how Jesus continues because he's the master storyteller. 17. When the young man, the prodigal son, when he came to his senses, somebody say, wake up, wake up. When he woke up, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. You know what? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, you know what? I'm going to say, daddy, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but hey, can you make me like one of your hired servants? So he got up and went to his father. What he was saying is this. He's going to go back to daddy and he's going to say, look, I blew it. I don't even deserve to be called your son. I get it. But I know that you hire people. Could I like get a job? It can be minimum wage. I don't have to live with you. You can pretend you don't even know me. I live in town, but can you give me something to do that's better where I'm at right now? Can you just do something? Can you just do anything for me? I want to talk to you about mud moments. Somebody say mud moment schlop moments. My son would laugh if he was here. He's three. Maybe poo-poo moments. All the adults are like, he said poo-poo. Y'all need to grow up. Y'all need to grow up. Have you seen a pig? You've been to these farms, these petting zoos with your kids, and you've seen the pigs. They're nasty. Got the tail just laying there, all sweaty and muddy. There's poo and food and flies. It's almost enough to make me not eat bacon. I didn't, say, I didn't say enough. I said almost enough. It's going to take more than that to get me on that cardboard, bacon substitute, nasty stuff they're trying to push. No, not today. I said almost enough. But pigs are nasty. You need to realize this kid went from royalty to being the worst moment of his life. But you need to realize it led to the best moment of his life. 
Did you realize that the worst moment of your life with God involved can lead to the best moment of your life? Some of y'all are there right now. You're there right now. You're contemplating suicide. You're contemplating a divorce. You want out. You don't see any hope. You don't see why if there was a God, he'd let me struggle with this. Maybe We don't know how long he was there. Maybe it was days. Maybe it was years. We have no clue. Some of you would, are honestly thinking, if there was a good God, if he actually loved me, this wouldn't be happening. This wouldn't be happening. This wouldn't be happening. But sometimes the mud is the richest context in which we can finally understand and appreciate God's grace. Some of y'all are there. Some of you didn't want to come today. Some of you have, are almost at the point you quit believing in God. You're done. You want to quit. But a mud moment can change your perspective. It can renew your joy. It can cause you to finally appreciate the blessings you have always had, but never appreciated. You may be mad at God for the mud moments. You may be mad at God for that anxiety or depression or that pain or that circumstance that's out of your control. But maybe if it wasn't for the mud moments, you wouldn't know him in the way in which you know him now. It's possible. It's possible. And some of y'all have been, for the first time, you're like, maybe this is a good thing. I've been mad at God. I turned my back from God, but maybe this mud moment is a good thing. Sometimes you got to be in the mud. If I'm not sure if I could say this at church either, sometimes you got to be in the crap to realize I screwed up. I dropped the ball. I completely blew it. And some of you are there right now. See, you didn't care about church until your divorce hit. Maybe you didn't care about God until that illness struck. Maybe you never thought about eternity until your friend passed away. Maybe you really didn't prioritize family until infertility became a thing. These are mud moments. These are mud moments. We each go through them. Some of you are in them right now. You're in the mud. You're in the muck. And what matters more than anything else is how you respond in those situations. How you respond. There's two ways for mud moments to go. The first one I want to challenge you to do is the way this young man did. Okay? He softened his heart and he used it to turn back to God to turn back to his father in this story. He represents God. He used it to soften his heart and to turn back from God. And notice that some of these things were out of his control, okay? Sometimes you ended up in the mud and you gotta just admit, I screwed up. I messed up, I dropped the ball. Half of it was his fault, but you gotta admit, the weather changing wasn't his fault. The economy turning down wasn't his fault, but he still had to take responsibility for it. Sometimes there's things in life you got to own up. Hey, it's my fault I'm here. But even if it's not your fault, even if you did nothing wrong to face that illness or that circumstance, we still need to say, hey, I'm going to let this soften my heart. I'm going to let this bring me closer to God. Option two is that we wander. We harden our heart. He could have sat in that mud and said, what kind of father do I have? He shouldn't have let me run off. He shouldn't have given me all that stuff. He should have come and find me. He should have done this. He should have done that. How dare he? He doesn't really love me. He's not a good father. That's what a lot of us do in these situations. We turn from God even farther. Mud moments are often neutral. It's all about how we respond to them. Let's take an illness, for example. An illness can be a mud moment. I know so many people who've gotten an illness and it's changed their life for the better, right? They become more joyful. They become more appreciative. They love a little harder. They're better parents. They're more present. They don't let stuff bother them as much. They're better spouses. They just have such joy and appreciation of life through that. But I know mud moments, illnesses where it's hard in people's hearts. They've become cold. They've become bitter. They've turned from God. They said a good God would never do that. I came to tell you, give God a chance. Give him an opportunity. Just because you don't see what good God could possibly do through something doesn't mean he can't work through it. 
Scripture says he makes all things work together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Some of you are there right now. You're looking at a situation. You could say, how could God possibly do good through this? I don't know. I don't, I don't suppose to have all the answers, but I'm going to tell you, he is good, he is almighty, and he is a perspective of eternity, one that we don't have. Give him a chance. Give him a chance. Got to give him a chance. How do you respond in mud moments? Because how we respond in mud moments determines our direction. It determines our destiny. It either makes us people who are humble and love God and turn back to him, or we're people who are just bitter and cold-hearted, and closed off. How do you respond? I want to teach you a word that we're going to talk a lot about in this series, and especially today, it's a word called repent. Somebody say repent. And repenting doesn't have a good vibe, because maybe you went to a football game or a concert, and there was a guy outside said, repent or you're all going to hell, okay? And you're like, I don't know, like, what is this dude, what is that? So when we hear repent, we kind of, alarms go off, but we're, we're going to slow down, we're going to talk about it. Repent means turn back. Somebody say, turn back. We don't spend time doing this. I have a friend who's a pastor. He prays every morning. And on Tuesdays, he, he has a time blocked off for prayer. And he repents on Tuesday. And I think that sounds kind of silly. <laughs> but it's cool because he prioritizes it. He's like, I'm going to spend this hour. You know what? And I'm going to repent on ways I failed in my marriage, maybe my finances, my church, my friendships, all this stuff. He looks down, and I think here's the concern. I think we look at it and say, if I spend time looking at ways I messed up, you know what? I'm just going to have no low self-esteem. I want to feel guilty. I want to feel bad. No, no, no. It does the opposite. You release it. You have more joy. You're more humble. You see God more in things. We must repent. We must turn back to him. Scripture says this, it says we wander. It says we wander like sheep. And if you're like, I'm not a sheep, I'm a man, I'm a woman, I don't do any of that. Let me give you an example. Have you ever got on Facebook and you're like, I'm just going, I'm just going to check it out for a minute, just a second. And then 20 minutes goes by. And then you end up on YouTube looking at cat videos. Meow, 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 meow. And you're like, how did I get there? You're like, I didn't, What? You're like, I didn't intend to do this, but I'm on watching cat videos. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about, parents. It's easy to do. Kids are busy. You're like, I'm just going to check Instagram cat video. We drift. We wander. There was a guy, Isaiah. He lived centuries and centuries before Jesus came around, hundreds and hundreds of years before. Isaiah wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He said this. He said, we all, somebody say all, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. Each of us, not some of us, not the really bad people. Each and every one of us are like this. We all are like sheep. We've all turned from God. We've all gone our own way. Mark wrote a gospel, a story of Jesus's life. And he actually records Jesus breaking on the scene. Some of his first words when Jesus first started his public ministry. And your first words of of someone's life, of a speech, kind of encapsulate the whole thing. And I think this is really cool. So let's go to Mark 1, 14 and 15. Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. So this is good news. This is going to be good stuff. I'm excited to hear what he has to say. He's probably going to say, you know what? You're doing pretty good. I'm proud of you. Participation trophy, medal, award. You're doing pretty good. Better than I thought you'd do. That's what he's going to say, right? Because it's good news. Let's see what he has to say. Let's see what he has to say for me and tell me how good I'm doing, right? He said, the time has come. He said, here it comes, Jesus. Give me my trophy. Give me my plaque. Give me my award. I can see a little drum roll. The time has come. 
The kingdom of God has come near. Okay, here it comes. The kingdom of God. That would have got an amp. The kingdom of God is near. Woohoo! Repent and believe the good news. I got good news for you. The kingdom's here. Repent and believe the good news. I think Jesus used jazz hands. Just a little bit. You're saying, you're saying that, that's good news? That's good news? See, some of you think Jesus is like pumpkin spice. Yes, you do. You say, my coffee's good, but I know how to kick it up a little more. I'm just going to get a little sprinkle of Jesus and just top it off. My weekend is good, but I'm going to make it a little better. I'm just going to sprinkle some Jesus like that. <laughs> These pancakes are good, but a little pumpkin spice. Oh, just it, it kicks it up a notch. That's how we treat him. Meaning, I got a good path. I'm a pretty good person. My stuff is together. Yeah, I struggle with a temper. Sometimes I don't do that or do this. I'm going this way. Maybe God will correct me and I'll just go a little bit. He's got to adjust some things. No, no, no. Jesus said, turn back. He said, you're going this way. He said, you got to stop and go in the completely opposite direction. Do you understand that? That's what he's saying. He's not saying, here's a participation trophy. I'm just going to help in a few things. No, no, no. He's saying we're all lost. Without God, we have no hope. We absolutely need his help and his grace. Christianity is not, you're pretty good. You need a little sprinkle of Jesus. It's admitting we're in the entirely wrong direction. Do you feel the difference between saying, God can help me, I'm pretty good, and saying, no, you need to do a 180? That's what he said. But the crazy thing is, is he said, this is good news. He said, this is good news. It doesn't sound good to me. So let's see what he has to say. Back to the prodigal son. Remember, the son is going home. He's going to say, dad, I messed up. Can you bring me in? Can you give me an opportunity? But while he was still a long way off, Luke 15, 20, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, he said, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, he said, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. I thought he was going to take me behind the tool shed. I thought he was going to say, there you are. You know, Jesus, remember when the parents would fiddle with the belt and you'd be like, I'm done, game over. That's what he was expecting. But he didn't, he didn't take off his belt to hit him. He gave him clothes. He gave him a robe. He gave him a belt. What's going on here? He said, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Killing a fattened calf was a little different. Okay, we eat meat all the time. We could go to 7-Eleven, Dylan, right now, and we could get a taquito or a big bite with some mystery meat in it. I don't know what it is. It's some kind of meat flavor, okay? We could get meat anytime we want. We could go to cookout, get some trays, hashtag trays for days, all right? Hook up some meat. But in the old days, they didn't have that luxury. This is the equivalent of him selling his car. This is a huge thing. It's the equivalent of saying, I got the Acura, I saved up, I work for it, sell it. I need the cash because we need to throw a lavish party. We need to throw a party. You know why? For this son of mine was dead. Somebody say dead and is alive again. He was lost. Somebody say lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Do you see how stark the contrast is in scripture? Because it's so easy to think I'm pretty good. I pretty much have my stuff together. No, no, no. It's very clear. We're lost. We're dead without God. Now we're a little sick. I got the sniffies. Can you help me, Jesus? No, no, no. We're completely dead without him. And they began to celebrate. Here's the point. Here's the point. We are prodigal. We spend it all. We give it all away. We blow it over and over. But I came to tell you, our God is prodigal. 
He spends it all to bring us back. Did you see what the father did? The father, he keeps giving. The son comes in, he's, selling, he's getting rid of the calf. He's putting a robe on him. He's putting rings. He's putting stuff. He's constantly giving and giving and giving resources and blessing his son to bring him home because God is prodigal. God is recklessly extravagant. God gives profusely. He is lavishly abundant. I came to tell you our God is prodigal. He spends it all. His grace is prodigal. His mercy is prodigal. The second chances he gives us, the opportunities. Some of y'all, honest to God, think you blew it. You think I'm in the mud, there's nothing I can do to restore myself, and you are right, but have you ever considered there's something God could do to restore you? Have you considered that? Because some of you think you're done, you're washed up, you're over, you're old news, there's nothing he can do in your life. I came to tell you the opposite is true. You may be in the exact perfect position for the first time to finally understand his love and to receive his grace fully. That's what mud moments do. Our God is prodigal. He gives and gives and gives and gives and gives. He gave it all. Did you know God gave his son? Scripture says that he loved you so much. He gave his son, Jesus Christ, who came into the world, who lived the perfect life, who died a death as our substitute. He died in our place. He took on sin. He took on the punishment you and I deserve as being separated from God. And he died in our place. So we may be access. So we may have access to the father. God spent it all to bring us home. He spent it all. Jesus spent his whole life to bring us home. Our God is a prodigal God. He lavishes his love upon us. Isaiah said this. We're going to finish with Isaiah. I started to tell you what Isaiah said centuries before Jesus was born, but we're going to finish it today, here and now. Isaiah 53, 6 and 7. Isaiah said, we already read this. He said, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned its own way, meaning we're all sheep, we're all lost, we all blew it, we all are prone to wander, we all have done our own thing. And you're kind of like, okay, so what? You're just rubbing it in? What's God going to do about it? Where's my hope? What do you have for me? What, what are my options? Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Let me say that again. It says we are all lost, we all wander, we all have turned our own way, but the Lord has laid on him. Who's he talking about? It's Jesus. God has laid on Jesus the iniquity, which is the wickedness, which is the sin of all of us. That's the solution. Look what it says. Hundred years before Jesus was born, it says this. Hundred years before he suffered and died on the cross, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And there's a sheep before its shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. God said, my people are sheep. My people wander. My people have turned from me. My people are wandering sheep who need to be brought back home. Like sheep, my people have gone astray. So to save my sheep, I'm going to send a sheep. Jesus said, to save my sheep, I'm going to become a sheep. And I'm going to die in their place. I'm going to pay it all. That's a prophecy right here. This is the incarnation. Right here, that Jesus became one of us to die on our behalf. What is Christianity anyway? Christianity, don't mishear me, is not a path to God. Follow these rules. Don't screw it up. Do these five steps and you go to God. No, Christianity isn't a way to find God. Christianity is God who's come to find you. It's a completely different paradigm. It's a completely different way of approaching God and getting to know God. Scripture says God is a God who finds lost things 
who sacrifices greatly, who sacrifices his son. Jesus sacrificed his life to bring us home. Lost sons, lost daughters, lost marriages, lost joy, lost hope. Things of great value. Our God is prodigal. His love is prodigal. His grace is prodigal. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a prodigal God. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. Because I've blown it more times than I can count. And you might say the same thing. But for every time we blow it, God is there to redeem us and to restore us. What I really want you to do today is personalize this. Because you've probably heard God's a God of love. He loves everybody. He just loves. But that probably isn't going to change your life. We have some friends. They do this thing called 99 for the 1. And it's a mobile homeless ministry. They go out and they love on the homeless. They have these vans and they have hot showers in there and they give out clothes and hygiene products and friendship and try to hook them up with jobs. It's a great, great ministry. And that name comes from a parable Jesus said. He loved talking about how we were lost sheep. He told one parable and said, look, God is like this shepherd, okay? He's like the shepherd. And if he had a hundred sheep, if even one sheep wandered off, God would do everything he could to go off to get that sheep and to bring it home. He'll leave the 99 for the one. During Hurricane Matthew, I think it was, some of, the, some of that team went down to North Carolina to work with some folks who were suffering and struggling there. And they were helping with clean water and showers and all that good stuff. And I think it was one night, if I know the story correctly, it was like 1, 1.30, and they were sleeping at a church. They said, let's go see who's out, right? So they left the comfort of the church, right? After leaving the comfort of home, they, they left and they went out to walk the streets and they saw this guy sitting on the curb. He seemed dejected. So they struck up a conversation with him. He was a homeless man. He had actually just gotten jumped. He had just gotten beat up. So I can imagine he was in a mud moment. I can imagine he was looking at the past, probably had some regrets, probably had some questions, probably had some confusion. So they offered him a shower and clothes, and they had a conversation, and of course he was excited about that. So he got the shower, and afterwards they were talking, and he saw the van, he said, what's 99 for the one? Is that like 911? Like, call for help? Like, what does that mean? So clearly he didn't know the story, and they explained. They said, God loves us so much that he sent his son down to earth to seek us out. Meaning God loved you so much, he came to die for you. Tonight, you are that one. And that just hit him. This man, this grown man just started bawling, started crying, started weeping. Probably for the first time in his life, he made it personal. Not just this abstract idea that God's a God of love, but no, my God is prodigal. He gives and he gives lavishly, overwhelmingly to bring me back home. That changes your life. That understanding, that realization that he died for you. For you, Alec. For you, Rachel. For you, Dylan. For you, Weston. He died for you. You gotta take this abstract idea and make it personal. When he hung on that cross dying for your sins, he had you on his mind. He had you on his heart. It's not just an idea. If you ever were to say, God, show me how much you love you, he showed you on the cross. He showed you plain and simple. Church, we can celebrate because it doesn't sound like it at first, but we can turn back. It is good news. It is good news that he loves you so much that he died for us. Our God is a prodigal God a God of hope and restoration and second chances. Our God is a prodigal God. Let us pray.
We believe Jesus is on the move in Virginia Beach. And if you would like to learn more about who we are and our mission, follow us at Ascent Church 757. If you would like to give to further our mission to impact this city and beyond, you can do so at our website, ascentchurch.net. We hope to see you soon.